This is the K-Pop Cast. I'm your K-Pop DJ, DJ Peter Lowe, and today we'll be joined by two special guests as we look at Red Velvet's Bad Boy. You know him as the host of the K-Pop show and a frequent voice on our own show. I'd love to introduce our K-Pop musician, Rodri Thomas. Hey, Rodri. Hey, Peter. How's it going? Hey, great. Thank you for joining us. And our other host is our favorite K-Pop music video theorist who we cite just about every episode. It's... K-pop junkie, what's going on, K-pop junkie? Hey guys, it's uh, it's exciting to finally be on the other side of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we'd love to, of course, you know, have you both on more often. So consider yourselves like always open whenever you want to join us. You're welcome to invite yourself onto our podcast. So I can't wait to discuss Red Velvet's Bad Boy with each of you. But before we go into that, let's do our hit replays. Hit replays are songs we recommend you play on repeat for the week. So what's making you hit replay, K-pop junkie? My hit replay this week is a B-side track on Icon's return album called Long Time No See. The interesting thing about this track is that their leader, B.I., wrote it for them during their survival show. So it's appropriate that they finally released the official version on an album where they sought out to go back to their roots. Uh It's like a stripped down, sparse mix, and you can tell that kind of influenced their title track, uh, Love Scenario. Oh, okay. Could we have listened to this, like another version of this before now? You could watch a performance of it from their survival show. Interesting. I know that. And they just kind of re-recorded it, so... Nice, yeah. We'll have to catch the uh, survival show version as well. So how about you, Rodri? What's making you hit replay? It is... Bong Jae Sun is a song by Dynamic Duo featuring Suran, who just came out like yesterday. Anyway, it's a song about two people who used to be in love, uh, but have spent years trying to maintain a now dead relationship. It's really a well told story. It uses the, the lyrics use analogies about the threads of their relationship unraveling and how they're like trying to stitch them back together instead of hurting each other with the needle, which is what's happening. Like the, their efforts to save the relationship are actually hurting it. And the song uses, the audio uses sewing machine sounds. And the music video is full of this great imagery from the man's perspective as he like, he's in this white room on a sewing machine, like stitching together old clothes that you see the girl wearing and the new clothes. I, I don't really know what relationships like that are like, but I feel like I kind of get it when Gecko sings it, which is really cool. Like, I feel like there's music that's created to be fun and music that's, you know, created to be to communicate. Not that they're necessarily never the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but this one isn't really fun to listen to, but it tells a really interesting story in a really unique way. I, I like it a lot. I like listening to it because I feel like I'm there. I feel like I get it. <laughs> I just uh, I just discovered Suran, so this is probably something. Oh, I love to... Suran. I could go on forever about. I mean, just her being in it made me know I would like this song. Yeah. But yeah, I was actually I found a lot else to like as well, which is cool. How about you, Pilo? What's making you hit replay? I'm gonna mispronounce her name, 
but it's Jun Seoyeon and her song Jelly. It's trying to be like four different songs all in one. It's got this like groovy beat for the verse, and then it has this really dope body rock for the chorus. And then, like right after the chorus, it swings into this like smooth house electro beat. And then, lastly, for the outro of the song, it's got this own like fun mix between like this jazzy piano and this like electronically produced like R&B beat. You would think that it's trying to be too many things, but I think it really goes together. The music video itself—it's very colorful and nonsensical in the ways that epitomizes the best of K-pop. Personally speaking, I wish I was cool enough to roll with her random crew of like elevator bellhops and schoolgirls and cat masks in this music video. Um, it's it's pretty funny music video, but be sure to check it out and catch the song. Moving on, let's go into a Daybok or not for Red Velvet and their song Bad Boy. K-pop junkie, this is the part of the show where we always reintroduce or reiterate your theory. So I thought maybe we just let you take it away this time and, and tell us what is the message, what is the theory behind the music video that we should all be taking in from it. For those of our listeners who haven't heard it yet. Okay, so my theory is that this music video is Red Velvet mentally escaping the spell of a bad boy, and the way they visually tell the story is with their use of color, red and white. So mm. whenever you see them wearing white. They seem more vulnerable and susceptible to being manipulated. Yep. And then you have red, which shows their strength and confidence. So an example would be, we see them in school uniforms that are white. Uh huh. And then toward the end, we get these more rebellious outfits, which are red. And then as the music video goes on, we see them start spray painting and covering everything in red, kind of as if they're taking over control of their emotions. Mm-hmm. And so at the very end, I say they literally and figuratively wake up as we hear them sing "Bad Boy Down." Okay, so there are moments in this music video where they go like from white to red. There's a middle gradient in color there, pink, right? Yeah. We see them all wearing that soft pink. So did you? Wh- what was that supposed to mean, in your opinion? Yeah, is that a mixture of the red and white at the end there? Uh, Maybe a mixture. I find that in a lot of K-pop music videos, they end in like a mixture of two mindsets. So if you watch my videos, that's kind of a similar theme throughout. So yeah, it does seem that way. I mean, I, I don't have any examples in mind, but I feel like I get that feeling at the end of K-pop music videos, where you know, traditionally we're talking like 2012 K-pop music videos would have like two yeah. dance cuts. They'd be cutting in and out of the music video, and they'd have you know different outfits, different areas that they're doing these dances in. Same choreography, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I feel like there's usually a mixture of the two happening, or maybe like a third one comes in, but it seems like a mixture of the two. It's kind of like if you watch Twice as Heart Shaker, my video on that, which I know DJ Peter Lo has his thoughts on. <laughs> you have two sets of of Twice like girls, and then at the end they are all kind of 
intermingling and I go on yeah. about what that means but and I think that that's a good way to interpret it although I don't think <laughs> personally speaking I don't think that was the intent of the producers but I think it's a good personal interpretation and message to take from the music video which I can appe- appreciate K-pop junkie <laughs> I remember listening to that episode that you guys did on the K-pop cast and hearing you disagreeing with Matt who agreed with K-pop junkie that was really funny. Yeah, I only listened to half of it and then I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> so offended. No, just kidding. Just listening to DJ Peter Lowe makes me offended sometimes. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> well, bringing it back to Red Velvet. You know, what I really like about your theory, K-pop junkie, is that for a long time, what we've known about Red Velvet is that they've got this sort of like duality concept going, right? So we've got their light, bubbly side contrasted with the softer more velvety, elegant mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. And then they they sort of like reinterpreted that that duality, I think, over their several releases. But I feel like what we saw in Peekaboo, they're heading toward like a darker direction. Definitely. I almost see like Peekaboo in this music video where they're both these like cute Eggio dolls, you know, who are nice and cute to look at, but then like aren't afraid to shank you or murder you in your sleep if you like cross them or, or you do them wrong it's interesting the way you describe them like that because there's that book that they're holding in the music video mm-hmm. and it's a it's a reference to like a real life painting that's right so, 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 if i can pronounce it right uh and uh, pipe if you noticed in my video i completely avoid just saying it so <laughs> i did notice that so the painting kind of tells us that we're the ones that put meaning behind what we see uh-huh and so I had comments telling me, oh, the painting actually has an underlying explicit interpretation as well. And if you watch it again, you can kind of say that about the music video too. Uh-huh. So I appreciate this overarching message and concept that things are not always as they appear to be, which is kind of exactly the way you just described them. So. And when you say uh, explicit, yeah. wh- what do you mean by that? In French, it means this is not a pipe. And people are saying there's a more sexual interpretation of that. I guess. And in the music video, the book says this is not a lip. Right. And so people are interpreting that in a sexual way as well. And you see them kind of seducing each other or something in the music video too, so. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that, honestly. Like, I mean, what, K-pop Junkie, when you saw that, did you think that they were trying to hint on something with that? Or is that just purely for eye candy? I have no idea. I think there's a lot of ways you can interpret this music video, so. So you see that a lot in guy groups where they'll they'll do their little fan service moments, like grabbing each other's butts and whatever in choreography. And I think it's probably just the female version of that. Lots of people have said for a long time, like, oh, it's kind of weirdly unfair that the guys can get away with that, but not the girls. And I think this is us maybe just seeing an example of the girls starting to do that too. Or like, instead of using a guy for a prop in a music video, you're actually using the other girls in the group. Yeah, I, I like the fact that there were no guys in this music video even though it's called Bad Boy. Yeah. And and you hear like BTS fans get all upset whenever girls are in their <laughs> videos with them. It's like a traitorous move, right? And I, I think that's just Red Velvet's way of doing the same thing. Well, now that you put it like that, I wish there was a guy in the music video. Well, I, I mean, the whole point is that these girls are kind of breaking free and it's not about him, you know? It's all about their own like independence and, and breakaway and, and waking up, so to speak, right? From it. Waking up from the spell. So, K-pop junkie, did you catch glimpses of like weapons in the music video? Yeah. What did you take that to mean? Wait, what weapons? Yeah, they were holding guns, and then there was like hedge clippers 
or something like that. Like wire cutters, I guess. Yeah, something like that. I just kind of took that as kind of a visual way of showing them like they're in control now. They're taking over and the weapons are just kind of a visual way to show that they have the power. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way. Yeah. Well, I don't know if morally good. What did you take away from it? I was just going to look to you for all the answers, honestly. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but I, I could definitely get behind that. That it, It's a way of empowering, right? It's like I'm in control. No, and I, I am like, you know, literally calling the shots. Yeah. But let's go into the visuals. Um, Rodri, I know you saw it from one of our listeners on Twitter, because I saw you tweeting with her. But uh, for those of our listeners who didn't catch it, listener Jen Nay tweeted at us saying that it's her theory that Red Velvet doesn't know how hot tubs or cameras work as they read their burn books. But it's sexy chic just in time for Valentine's Day. So I accept. It's memorable and catchy and loving the K-pop vibes coming out of these days. Also, inflatable unicorns on land. Whatever. It's fabulous. And then Jenny tweets that she puts on sunglasses, presumably indoors. <laughs> I love that last part. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. You know what's weird is I, whenever I'm on Twitter, I like hardly ever pay attention to the names people have because it's so, you know, I'm, <laughs> right, I'm on right, Stan right. Twitter all the time. So it's so often just like J-Hope's trash or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I finally like realized, oh, this is Jen May. This is, a, this is the one they all, they're always talking about on k yeah. I'm actually reading her tweets right now. That's yep. cool. Yep. And that like finally made sense to me the way you guys say her name when I saw it. And it's like a Jen yeah. As she references, it's so rad, just in time for Valentine's Day. I feel like that was a coincidence, but it's a very happy coincidence. I mean, just looking at the visuals of this music video and taking that into account with the, with the concept, what do you guys think? I like it in that it, I feel like it gets the job done. Like, the music video didn't seem very unique. Right, right. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that I had never seen before. Not that I need to constantly be shown things that I've never seen before, but I feel like it was really generic as a music video. Yeah, that's a good point. To me, it almost kind of feels like a mix between a Blackpink music video and something from, like... SM Entertainment that we're used to seeing inside the SM Entertainment Cube. Yeah, it almost even like kind of looks like the same rooms. Yeah. Like the same studios that they're building the sets on. Mm. Like that one with the car in it where they're like walking through this glacier pathway. I feel like I've seen that set a billion times from SM music videos. I actually really like the, the outfits. I don't know about you guys, but there's one like pants that Sogi's wearing. I just, I don't know why. I don't know why. But <laughs> I really like that. They're like split. You know what I'm talking about? I feel like anything she would be wearing would be okay. But, but yes, I, no, I agree. Thank you. So, I mean, as much as we're dissing like the backdrops in the set, I thought the outfits that they're each going for really did the concept justice. Yeah. Like, I, I gotta say, like, it champions that duality concept we've been talking about earlier between going between soft and edgy. I mean, you really had those moments when they're all yeah. in the bed and it's soft and velvety. It's like, oh, that's soft. And then now we have edgy, like, yo, bad boy, like, I'm, I've woken up from your spell. And then uh, now I'm gonna, like, you know, cut some bills, right? Like, that's what it really seems like. And I was like, I could so get behind that. And Heck yeah. It, what's funny is that if you know me and my own like personal biases and like concepts I like, yeah. normally I would just say, just go for that sexy, edgy concept. Like, you know, CLC Hobgoblin, right? You know, more in that direction. But what they have going in this music video where they have the contrast between the soft yeah. and that edgy, I think it adds some really nice and welcomed complexity and nuance, you know? And that having that softness in it, you know, even though yeah, the main message of the story is about like yo I'm edgy and I'm waking up having that soft look complements that chillax vibe that I'm getting from the song itself for the dance part of the concept the choreo didn't 
stand out to me. I feel like it was all about that concept and the sound and those two things I will always remember it for. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the the dance actually. Really? I don't I don't know about it as a whole, but probably certain moves. I actually did not even notice that there was a choreo. So what did you like about it? I did think an interesting thing was that this dance starts out the same way that Peekaboo ends. So I don't know if that's supposed to be hinting at a connection or something. Hmm. I find it hard to believe that it's an accident. That doesn't sound like an accident. Yeah, I can I can see that connecting the dots. Like, you know, they wake up, they realize that they're under this spell, and then they murder the Pizza Hut delivery boy. Yeah, like they go too far. Like they're too crazy now. <laughs> All right. So moving on into the music, the audio aspect of the song. Listener Taylor Lamb uh, tweeted at us saying, quote, it's a great song. Vocally, it feels a little too pop sounding when it has a strong R and B feel. The chorus sounds like they should have had harmonizing, but they kind of just stuck with layering. I would love to see some Lydia Paik, Sunmin, or Hoodie sing the song. Which I totally agree with. I think Lydia Peck would be perfect for this, or maybe even Lehigh. Yeah, I think she'd do a great job singing this too. So, Rodri, I know you've had thoughts on the composition of this song. <laughs> when do I not? <laughs> so, first of all, I want to point out one of my favorite things about this song, even from uh-huh. the first time I heard it in the teaser, mm-hmm. is the chord structure. It reminds me of something. Like, when I listened to this in the teaser, completely, it was like a flood of memories of some song that I can't place that I know it's just reminding me of one song. And I know it's not this one, but as close as I could make it, it reminds me of Again and Again by 2PM. Again, again. And maybe that's just because of the way it starts, where it's like really bare at the beginning and just kind of Uh builds on itself with like new layers each time. Again and again is a maybe, but like there's a song out there that it reminds me of that I love and I really want to know what it is. So if any of you listeners happen to have also had this problem and just know immediately what I'm talking about, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. But anyway, I don't know what it reminds me of, but I really like the chord progression. Um, It starts with like 11 chords. And not only does it do one 11th chord, it does two, goes E, E minor 11, then it goes to G major 11, and it starts on the 11th note in the chord. Like the bass note is an A, which is the 11th note in a G major 11th chord. Then it goes to a D7 chord, and then it goes to a C diminished chord. Like none of those are normal. Obviously they don't play them as chords in the song, they arpeggiate it, which is where you just play one note at a time. Um, But it's like a really, there's tons of potential in this chord progression for something like jazz. Um, I just made jazz because jazz is fun. You know, Roderick, just listening to that jazz MIDI composition, I think you got some talent here, and I think Red Velvet's Bad Boy could sound really good having that swing jazz take. I remember, uh, so when I when I sent this to you guys initially so you could listen to it, I was thinking to myself, like, what if we had an album, or like a cover album of great jazz covers for K-pop music? Like, I don't have access to the musicians for that. Yeah. But I like maybe I should try and throw something together and see what I can do, because honestly, that would be so fun. It would be so cool. Yeah. Anyway, definitely lots of potential here in this chord structure. It's actually repeated throughout the entire song, so they didn't make a whole lot of it, but what they made was really impressive, I thought. I want to know how they started. Was it the chord structure first? Because if they started with that, I I can't see how they had the end goal in mind of this song, because it's crazy 
when you listen to just the chords and then the end product, it's completely different. With most modern pop, song construction is actually, it's a lot of, you hear it's a lot of different people. You're constantly hearing people make jokes about, oh yeah, this was written by like 30 people. It's not even good music. Most of the time it's written yeah. by five or so total, especially in K-pop. You've got the people who do the lyrics. Usually these days it's one of the uh, members of the group who works with an actual right. professional lyricist and puts together ideas into lyrics. And then they bring those to somebody who can write a song for it. And, and in K-pop, this is sometimes somebody who's just paid to make songs. Like they'll just throw together pop chord progressions and the riffs like the one you hear at the very beginning that plays. Okay, that was the worst. I will never do that again. But uh, Better than I could have done it. Yeah. So you start with the lyrics, then you go with like the basic. I imagine that was played on a piano at first, just like throwing, messing around, looking for something cool. And then you take it to the producer who knows about different synth sounds and like what works together and what kind of beat you need behind it, depending on the kind of vibe you want throughout. Like sometimes you decide to just keep it all piano, or maybe add some strings if it's more ballady kind of song. In this case, this is like, there's a lot of attitude you need. And so it's a good like frontliner, you know, A-side single of the album where it's the one you make a music video for and it's the big song. So I imagine that's how it was set up was you had the lyrics and the music separate and then you just kind of put them together based on their compatibility. And then the producing all happened in the last stage. Yeah. And for this particular song, um, our, our listener Taylor actually pointed out that the stereotypes the I, I think that's a producer duo and they've produced a number of other like K-pop and Western hits yeah they were behind this along with uh, Yoo Jung Yoo Jung Jin if I'm pronouncing that correctly so the, it sounds like I had a couple producers sort of behind the scenes working in tandem or working together on it usually for the big title tracks of each album there will be more producers i think for sm in particular they will maybe like buy the song from the stereotypes and then they just have kind of like a vault full of songs ah uh, that would make sense and then they'll get maybe you young jin to come in and kind of adapt it to red velvet so i don't i don't remember and maybe this is way too far down the rabbit hole here for this tangent but i was reading an article a long time ago about an agency that works in korea and they just write songs. So there was an EXO song that used the same loops as a BTS song. The BTS song came out first, but the EXO song was actually written first and produced. Like the full version was produced first. And so they used the same loops because they didn't know that BTS was working on a song that they were going to release with that, those same loops. And so everybody was like, oh, you copied BTS. Like, no, we didn't. We wrote this <laughs> ages ago and sold it to SM. And they, I guess they just didn't change it. So not my fault. I think that's a good point, K-pop junkie, that like stereotypes probably made it first, SM bought it, and then uh, Yoo Jung Jin, if I say that right, um, just, just adapted it, right? Just so that it had that red and velvet feel. I wonder if there's like a specialist producer who's like, okay, I know how to make any song sound like a red velvet song. And there's like, I know how to make any song sound like an EXO song. And they just like hand it to them yeah. first before they release anything. <laughs> I don't know. It could be part of the brand. Yeah. No. Okay, before I interrupt you, Rowdy, where were you going with this? <laughs> um, so I was actually going to start talking about the way that the song is constructed because I was I was trying to look around for something like really cool that would help tell the story 
because I, I totally subscribe to your theory, K-pop junkie, with the whole like, you've got this innocent side, then you've got this, this side with attitude, this power. Yeah. And so I was trying to look for a way that the music helped tell that story, since it seems like that is the story they're trying to tell. The music is actually put together really, really simply. It just starts with the riff and then adds a beat. And then it has the riff and the beat and adds this bass funk thing, kind of a bass line down below, which is pretty cool. And then you add this like pulsing sound. And I actually think after looking over it, I noticed that the pulsing sound happens when they're singing from the perspective of the dude. And during the bridge, which is kind of like a crucial now or never moment, are we going to go and give ourselves to this guy we know is trouble or are we going to stand up and wake up as, as, the, as you put it and sort of like get out of here, put this bad boy down. It's all pulse in that moment. And it's the guy singing to them, making his last like seductive promises or whatever. But what you've got in the chorus is this sort of moment of decision is what it feels like, where you've got this like the, the train sound, I want to say, that it reminds me of, like a moving forward sound, like chugging along this track. Yeah. But then they've also got this siren sound playing in the background, like danger. Yes, I love that siren. So yeah, you've got like this, got two sounds that are kind of telling a different story. And it shows, I think that helps tell the story, you know, it's this moment of decision. In the beginning, the pulsing actually starts on a note that matches. Remember, I, I was saying it's an E minor chord, G chord, a D chord, and then a C chord. Now, the note that the pulsing happens on um, starts like two notes away from the C diminished thing where that ends up. And it sort of matches the C diminished right as the C diminished chord happens, right at the end of like the eight beat pattern. Okay. Um, and so it's like they are meeting with up with this bad boy and giving in because uh, okay. they're coming into sync with him. However, as the song goes on, that moment actually stops happening. They'll, they'll like do a pause in the music and the production. They'll like cut out the sounds that would have synced up usually. You wouldn't notice it normally because it's just like, oh, that's kind of a cool way to jump into the chorus. You cut out the sound for a little second. But it actually, I don't think it ever happens again after the, maybe the first couple of times. So I think that is maybe also a supporting way to say, hey, this represents the guy, this represents the girl, and they are not getting together. I think another way the audio kind of tells a story is one of your viewers pointed out that it's there's a lot of layers, especially in the chorus. Like they all sing together in the chorus. Right. And usually it's it's one member gets the chorus and then, you know, they split it up like that. In my video, I point out that there's this bed in the middle of the white like tundra or mountainside, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, right. And everything around them is white. But when they're on this bed, like they're on this red bed together, it's kind of like like they're stronger together. You know, and maybe that's why they sing the chorus together. I think so too. I actually noticed that as I was listening. Whenever it's like the moment of decision, they're they're all together. Whereas whenever it's a guy's perspective, it's a singular thing. Yeah. And sometimes it'll be where they'll sing the guy's part separately, and then like one or two of them will come in with like a little, like a call and response thing. They do that a lot in this. Uh, I think the end of the second verse. Yeah, I really. Maybe like that. The, maybe the bridge as well. But yeah, it'll be like the guy talking to the girl. But the guy seems to always be by himself. Whereas when it's the girls, it's the girls, not just the girl. They're all together. And yeah. so it, it mirrors in the music video what's happening in the song, which I think is really cool. That's, uh, that's all I've got.
So <laughs> No, I think that's great, Rodri. I think that's really helpful. It definitely completes the story. And I think that goes right with your theory, K-pop junkie, that like you've got these girls who are under a spell, right? They're kind of feeling themselves out, figuring out where they're going. And that instrumental atmospheric quality, I think, directly complements that feeling. When I think about that instrumental sound, I love how rich the different frequencies are. You've got like the higher frequencies of the Red Velvet Girls singing, and then you have that contrasted with a lot lower sounds. I like how Nick of the Bias List calls those lower sounds like the gurgling or the gurgles <laughs> bass. So they kind of like gurgle the out, gurgles. right? And this is like one of those times where like you're really rewarded for having a really sweet like speaker setup system. Oh yeah, <laughs> def- especially yeah. on this song. Yeah, because you have a really even distribution of sounds in the frequency spectrum. Like you've got the lower like gurgling bass and then the that higher like woo woo of the girls going singing with it yeah like that that funk bass thing that i mentioned earlier like that is that is hard to hear yeah but the melody in it really adds a lot i think and being able to hear it really well like i have these really nice headphones that i listen to music on being able to hear that really well was definitely a great experience yeah yeah shall we move to our final judgment yes so one to five gentlemen one being the lowest five being the highest how would you rate the concept uh, K-pop junkie, I'll kick it your way first. I really like the concept, and I feel like the more we talk about it, the more it seems like everything just kind of fit together. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. I'll let you go next, Rodri. What do you think? Cool. I like the concept a lot. I think it is a well-told story, essentially. You know, if we're right here, then it is definitely a well-told story. So I will give it a 4.2. Okay, man. I, I didn't even know what I was going to give it going into this, but I, I knew I was going to be at least a four. <laughs> I feel like I'm right with you guys. So maybe I'll be right in between both of you. No, no. You know what? No. This is a really good concept. <laughs> I am right with you, K-pop Chunky. It is a 4.5. It is hella good concept. I mean, we talk about the girls, you know, waking up from that hypnotism of the bad boy, but the way those girls look at me and the way they tell this concept, they may have hypnotized myself. (laughs) Nice. Uh, How about the audio? K-pop junkie? Audio, I would give it a 4.25. It's it's one of my favorite songs of 2018. I also really like this audio, although... I've noticed I've kind of gotten tired of it. Mm. Like I haven't been listening to it as much. Yeah. And I think that says a lot. So while I really loved it when it came out and I I do still really like it, I think I'm going to go with 3.5 just because I, I don't know if I'll be listening to it for much longer. Like, I don't know if this is my favorite Red Velvet song. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I give it a 3.9, I guess. It's pretty good. I think it's a good song. It's, it's definitely going to be a hit replay for me. And I think it's a really cool next step, next evolution of the girls as they like reinterpret themselves. And oh, I, yeah. I think this song is a reflection of that. And I really like how it all comes together in the instrumental. So 3.9 for me. Okay, guys, taking this all into account, you know, all the audio, concept, story, message, everything that we've discussed. On the whole, is this song Daybuck or not? K-pop junkie. Just for Silgi's pants, I'll give it a Daybok. <laughs> Mr. Rodri? I'm also giving it a Daybok. Yep. 100%. Yep. Daybok for Daybok. me. Daybok for me as well. Yeah. There's no questioning. For every category and for every way that you can like evaluate a K-pop music video, it's in the Daybok category. So, Daybok for me. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. 
So guys, now that this song is out, I'd, I'd like to ask you one concluding question. How do you think this ranks against other Red Velvet songs? Is this their best song? I think Peekaboo is better. I think it's probably their best. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to say, I think it's better than Peekaboo, but I wouldn't, I don't know how to rank it against Red Flavor or Russian Roulette. I mean, I really like Red Flavor too. Uh, it's hard. I think, I think Peekaboo is my favorite. It has the most staying power for me. Like this, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have definitely said Bad Boy was my favorite Red Velvet song. But I, I don't know. At this point, I just really like Red Velvet. I really like Peekaboo, and I'm getting tired of Bad Boy. So yeah, kind of going the opposite tra- trajectory here. So Russian Roulette is probably my favorite for the red, for that fun, upbeat. But this has got to be my favorite take of their more velvety sound. It's edgy, but at the same time, it's like velvety smooth and elegant. I love the way you put that. (laughs) So, concluding for this episode, we had some listener feedback from our last episode where we discussed icons, love scenario, or love Sanrio. And Ricky Woodson on that episode said, Hey guys, you know, my hit replay was Red Velvet's Bad Boy. And I am so glad we decided to go back and do an episode for another K-pop song that came out that same week. Me too. Ricky Woodson, I'm glad we also discussed Red Velvet's Bad Boy today. (laughs) It's so funny. We talk about the red side and the velvet. And Ricky Woodson said, If only they could skip the red side. Only in my dreams. As real as it may seem, it's only in my dreams. Lol. Okay. Come on. All right. So, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you, our listeners, for for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends to listen to K-pop podcasts. It's a great way to listen to K-pop or talk about K-pop while you're doing laundry, while you're cooking, while you're cleaning, while you're driving. So, tell your friends to listen to K-pop podcasts. So, signing out, gentlemen. I have one question for you: Who was the better, quote unquote, bad boy? Was it Red Velvet and their song Bad Boy, Big Bang and their song Bad Boy, or Rain and the song? He was definitely trying to assure us that he was always going to be the bad boy. Yes, 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 right. Right. And so, listeners, you can let us know what your answer is to the question on Twitter at the Cast. So, let us know where our listeners can find you online and uh, in your answer to the question. Uh, if I had to pick right now at this very moment, I'll go with Big Bang. And you guys can find me on my YouTube channel, Kpop Junkie, where I attempt to explain music videos. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Kpop Junkie. And you do more than attempt. I think you succeed most of the time. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. When it's not twice. Yeah, you know, uh... When it's not twice, it's hard to take it. No, just kidding. Uh, you, guys, you guys need to have me on when, tw- when uh, you guys talk about twice. I need to balance out the crew. Okay, okay, right. okay. We'll do, we'll do. How about you, Rodri? So, the K-pop show is down at the moment, but you can still find me on Twitter at Rodri Rodri. I am always on and reading stuff and tweeting. Um, it's just my name twice, Rodri Rodri, R-H-O-D-R-I, R-H-O-D-R-I. The uh, show, the K-pop show, will be back up pretty soon. So if you want updates on that, you can like our Facebook page, the K-pop show on Facebook. So that is me. I think I would have to go with Big Bang. Uh, they have the best bad boy. Um, it hurts me to say that because I like this one so much, but that's it's true. Oh, man, you guys are surprising me. Okay, Big Bang was great, <laughs> but the best bad boy was Today's Bad Boy by Red Velvet. So that's okay. my answer. And you guys can find me at DJ Peter Lowe. Thanks all for listening and we'll catch y'all again next week.